There was a snake that crawled over a sharp saw and was cut. And in anger, the snake wrapped itself around the saw with its thick body and the way that it protects itself and the way that it usually attacks its prey. And he felt threatened. So he began to squeeze and squeeze, squeeze and squeeze. And he attempted to squeeze the life out of this thing that harmed him. With every bit of anger, it squeezed more. And the more pain it felt, the more it continued to squeeze. And at some point, the snake refusing to let go of the saw eventually bled out and died. Not knowing that the whole time, what he needed to do was let go so he can heal from the initial pain, the initial struggle. Instead of moving on, the snake squeezed and continued to squeeze. Can I tell you something for a moment? Some people won't let go or move on. They just grip the pain even harder, never fully giving themselves a chance to heal. Beyond the struggle, they can't see because they were harmed. So what they do is they enter defense mode and they squeeze the life or try to squeeze the life out of the object that's harmed them. Some people don't understand that what God has for those who are hurting is to give them a chance to let go and move. I'm excited to start this new series this morning called Move. From blank to blank. Now what does that from blank to blank look like? Well, every week it's going to look a little different because God wants us to move in different ways. And if you know anything about uh, navigation, for those of you that are old enough to remember MapQuest, anybody remember MapQuest? Who prints out directions anymore? I'd just rather have a computer tell me where to go. But no matter what, even if it's MapQuest or even if it's some sort of uh, app on your phone or device, you have to put your current location, even if you have a destination. I know where I want to go. Well, what's your current location in order to get your ultimate destination. And I believe that with this series, what we're going to look at every single week is how God wants us to move from wherever you are to wherever it is he wants you to be. And there's no way you can get to without the from. You don't know the direction unless you know the from so you can access the two. So I want to talk this morning about move and this morning's title is called move from struggle to surplus from struggle to surplus today's story is about a woman who was in the brink of financial collapse and more if you have your bibles turn with me to second kings chapter 4 old testament is right in the beginning and for me it's on page 305 it's probably not a 305 on yours, but I'm trying to help. It's located just after 1 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm a great help, I know. We're going to begin in verse 1, and we're going to read a few verses, talk a little bit, and then kind of work through that a little bit here this morning. Chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4. Verses 1 through 7. That's our whole text. Seven verses this morning. 
And I want you to see one of the most fabulous stories I have ever read in the scripture. Some of you know the story, some of you do not. But let me go ahead and read here. And it reads like this, 2 Kings 4, beginning verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of oil. Let's look at verse 3 for a moment. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Do not ask for just a few. Then go out inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to the side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. And this happened multiple times. But he replied after they ran out, he says, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, pay off your debts, and you as your sons can live on what is left. Come on, somebody. How many want to pray this prayer right now? Come on. Yeah? I got one amen. Anybody else? Do I hear two? Two, three, three, three. Okay, that was weird. But if you really think about it, this is one of the most amazing stories. So let me summarize for a moment what just happened. Because I want to focus on putting what God put in this text to help everyone in this room that's struggling to go from struggle to surplus. Now hear me for a moment. The goal is to help you proclaim God's word in your life so that his promises flow more than the things of this earth. Because it's very easy to get caught up in the lies of this world, right? It's very easy to get caught up on the problems. What I want you to do is then work yourself toward the promise instead of the problems. So she's struggling. Financially, she's in debt. The creditors are going to come take her sons as slaves. And Elisha shows up on the scene. She says, man of God, I'm in a serious heap of trouble. I know nobody's ever been in that financial situation in this room before. Nobody's ever been struggling and living paycheck to paycheck. So I know I'm talking about another church. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there. She's struggling. About to lose her kids. She's already lost her husband. Bad times. The prophet of God comes up to her and asks her a simple question. How? Here. He asks her two questions. And this is what I shared with the team earlier to pray for you. 
And here's the two questions he asked her. I need everyone looking at me for a moment. Look at me for a moment. I need you to hear this. If you, if you do anything else, those of you online, follow me right here. And those of you live, look at me. I need you to hear this. He asked her two questions, and they were very important questions. The first one is, how can I help you? And the second one was simply, uh, I would say in a lot of ways, even more important. What, tell me what you have in your house. Now, we've been talking about what you have in your house lately, right? Because there are things that we allow in our home, in our lives, in our mind. How many know this is like a house? Some of you are like, yeah, it hasn't been cleaned in a while. Like my real home, right? This needs to be seriously cleaned. He asked her, what do you have in your house? And that's an important question because I believe that that will help you determine what's going to happen in response to and how Jesus is going to help you. Because there are many people that have so many obstacles in their house, that's the reason why they ran out of oil. Because they have so many things that they're burning oil on. How many times did fear get a hold of you in the last year? Christian, I'm talking to you right now. I'm talking to you right now. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, you should not live in fear. God bless you. I understand what has happened over the past year. And I I don't even like to talk about this in the house of God much longer. I don't even want to talk about this anymore. But it is a constant. Some people have missed out on the last year of their lives around people because of fear. Now listen, she had a legit situation going on in her life. She lost her husband, about to lose her son. She's about to lose all her livelihood, everything that she had. Look at me. He, the prophet of God said, what's in your house? What do you have that I can work with? What's that empty jar that you can fill? What's that thing that we can use? Because what he needed was a jar. Look at me. He needed a jar to fill. And she didn't have the jar. So you know what he said? Go to your neighbors and borrow some. You know what? Some of you don't have faith. You need to go to your, your friends, your people that you know are our faith, and borrow some faith from them. Because you don't have enough faith. Listen, we've all been there. If I stood here and I told you every moment of every day I have faith about everything, I'd be lying. There are times I couldn't believe God for the next thing in my life. I struggled. Been there. And I struggle financially at times in my life too. I need you to hear me. It was about a year ago I was in Lewisburg and I was driving back from visiting somebody or something and I, and I said, you know, I, I could really use a cup of coffee right now and I was going to go stop in a Starbucks and I'm being very transparent with you. Can I do that? Because I need you to understand that you're not the only one. I said, you know what, I'm going to stop up here at Starbucks or Caramel, something sounds real good. Anything with Caramel right now sounds good. I said, I'm going to stop it. And then I thought for a moment, and I remembered that I only had a few bucks in my account, barely enough to get that Starbucks coffee. It was one of those weeks. Ever been there? It's humbling when you're going to go get a cup of coffee and you can't afford it. Why am I telling you this? Not so you can feel bad for me. Please don't. 
I'm telling you because everyone's been through those moments of struggle. But I want to help all of us get to the place spiritually, financially, relationally in our marriages from a place of struggle to a place of surplus. How many know surplus is better than struggle? And that, the way I felt that moment was a way I never want to feel again. I never want to feel like I can't do that. One cup of coffee. This woman was going through all of that. And the question is, what do you have to work with? What do you have in your house? That's a very important question. So as we look at this story, I'm sharing the story of the woman, uh, the widow's oil found here in 2 Kings because in her desperation, she sought God and she sought the prophet and the prophet spoke to her life. So let's look at some key points in the story and there are four of them and I want to move through them quickly here. The first point is simply this. We will have desperate moments. Let me just add a little addendum there. We will all have desperate moments. We're all going to have them. In this world, you will have trouble. A very wise man once told me that. His name is Jesus. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. So let's make it very clear that even through the, the times that God has called us to move, he's not calling you to move because you have surplus. He's calling you to move so that you can have that surplus. Now, am I, am I speaking sort of, some sort of prosperity? No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not speaking a prosperity message uh, uh, that some people may kind of misinterpret. And I'm telling you right now that prosperity is more than money. We've labeled it in our society today. Oh, that's a prosperity gospel. God wants you to prosper more than just your finances. I believe he wants to bless you in your finances, and we're talking a little bit about that. But guess what? He wants you to, he wants you to be prosperous in your marriage, in your relationships, in your, in your workplace. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to be prosperous in how you take care of your body and how you, how you interact with people. He wants you to be prosperous in all these areas of your life. But there's going to be desperate situations. And the wife of a man from the company, the prophets, cried out to Elijah, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know what she said to him? He's a man that loved God. You ever felt like, God, I love you, and yet this still happens to me? Anybody been there? Come on, somebody online, shoot me a thumbs up if you've ever been there. I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. I've done everything he asked me to do. And yet somehow, someway, why do I keep ending up here? Why do I keep struggling to make ends meet? Why do I keep getting to the struggle point? Why can't I wiggle out of this? Ever felt that? I'm telling you. That no matter how many creditors knock at the door, God is not intimidated. He does not lack. He knows nothing about defeat. Even at the cross, he was winning. Even in the, in the, in the, in the tomb where they laid his body, he was winning. Why? Because the result was greater than the, than the thing that happened to him. He said, they may kill me, but there's so many that will live because I live. Don't get quiet on me. They may kill my body, 
But when I resurrect, I'm going to resurrect a whole lot more. Somebody say amen. I'm going to resurrect a whole lot more because of my death is going to bring life across the board. Somebody give a shout right now. Come on. I'm, my death will bring life. Elisha said, what is in your house? What do you have that I can pour into? Come on, somebody. Follow me for a moment. When I came up earlier, my cup was sitting here. It was empty. That cup was a preparation so I can pour into it. And God is saying, get your cup ready. If you seek me, I'm going to pour myself into you. Why? Because you're worthy? No. Because you're all that? No. Because you have it going on? Because you're faithful? Because you're this, you're that? Simply because he loves you. His love alone will cause the surplus. His love alone. But there has to be a level of obedience that has to take place here. Friends, hear me. There has to be a level of obedience that we walk in. And, and, and this widow made it very clear. This man loved God. He's, he, he revered the Lord, the Bible says. So we're talking about reigning on the unjust and the just. The unrighteous and the righteous. The widow was facing many challenges. That led her to a desperate situation. And in this culture that we live in today, many people, they turn to different things when things get hard. This woman lost her husband, had unpaid and delinquent debts, imminent loss of her children, no financial reserve. I've been there. I've been there for a couple of those. I never lost a spouse. I don't know what that's like. I never want to know. I've had debts. Thank God I never lost a child. But I can identify with some of these things of feeling like, where am I going to go from here? I tell you this right now. There must come a point where we realize stuff is going to happen when I follow Jesus. The enemy don't like you. He never will. As long as you go to church. Listen, he's okay with you going to church as long as you don't do something about it. He's okay with you going to church. Second thought, we must seek God in tough times. How many know that's true, right? We, I think most of us would agree, seek God in tough times. When things get really good, you know what's really interesting? How uh, everyone does this, and, and, and if you never did this, you're probably lying. Because I think we all done it, right? Where things get really good, so you maybe don't pray, or you just kind of back off. You're like, oh, you, know, think, you know, I missed a day. Oh, that's not a big deal. You know, God knows my heart. Yeah, I get that, but that doesn't mean you just wait till, <laughs> wait till something goes wrong. You, you need to stay on your toes and understand that God is still speaking, even if you're not going through something. Are you hearing me? So we got to stay on our toes, not on our heels. Staying on your toes is offense. You got to stay on it. Staying on your heels is defense. What are you doing? You're just reacting. We got to respond to God, not react to the enemy. Right? So God is calling us to move. What are we moving? Well, we're moving toward him in tough times. And that's what we do. We seek him. In verse 3 and 4, look what Elisha said. Go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask just for a few. In other words, get as many as you can because you are in a dire situation. And I'm going to create a miracle for you right now. Get as many as you can. Man, does anybody ever feel like when you think about this story, like it must have been kind of awkward. Like, hey, uh, excuse me. I, yeah. I live right down the street. 
can I borrow some jars? Just empty jars, as many as I can. And you get those jars. Then you knock on the next neighbor's house. Can I get some jars, please? Can I get some jars? It, must, it might have been a little awkward. I don't know what their situation, maybe they were in a cul-de-sac, so they were maybe tight in the community, I don't know. A little white picket fence and stuff like that, and 2.5 kids and a dog. I don't know what the .5 is, but that's the average. Maybe, maybe they were in a situation where they knew their neighbors very well, but this could be really awkward. You, you know what she could have said? No, I don't want to do that right now. But her desperate place caused her to be obedient. When you get desperate, how do you deal with it? How do you deal with how, how do you deal with the pain you go through? How do you deal with those desperate moments? Because some turn to alcohol and drugs. Some turn to multiple sex partners. Some turn to isolation, just close everybody out. Others uh, are just simply paralyzed. They don't know what to do. They don't do anything because they don't know what to do. Others financially get in more debt so they can pay off this debt. So they rob Peter to pay Paul, and yet they still now owe Peter, not Paul. So there are different ways that you can respond with your struggle, but how do you get yourself truly in the middle of that sweet spot of heaven? where the goodness of God shows off in your life. Well, I tell you this right now. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not parts of it, not the parts I understand, not the parts that make sense with all of your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. Why? Because my own understanding is derived from who? me it's my own understanding and then it goes on in verse 6 to say in all your ways there's that pesky word again all why does the bible always tell us to do all rejoice in all things pray all day who has time to do that rejoice in the lord always Stop telling me to do all. I can't do all. Guess what? Yes, you can. Because he wouldn't ask you to do something you can't do. Likewise, he'll put situations in your life that you and him will always be the majority. Are you hearing me? Somebody say amen. I'm going to preach louder. Rejoice in the Lord always. I mean, it's right here. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. What does that mean? God, you are my Lord. You're my savior. This is a bad situation. Help me to see how you see it. That's a hard prayer to pray. How many agree that's a hard prayer to pray sometimes? You just want to see how you see it because, dang it, I am a smart person. And I've been a Christian for years. And I know the scriptures from Genesis to the maps. I know everything that God knows and more. Okay, that's not what you say, but... That's how we act sometimes. You've been in the Lord a long time. I get it. But are you trusting in your own way or are you trusting in the Lord? And sometimes that just means stopping and listening and stop talking for crying out loud. Because sometimes we talk ourselves right into the corner and out of faith. Stop talking. When's the last time, the media follow me because I'm going to come down here for a moment. When's the last time you got on your knees and said, God, 
I'm tired of talking because none of what I'm saying makes sense anymore. And you just have to sit for a moment and stop talking and say, God, speak to me about what I'm to do now. That's not an easy thing to do, but I tell you what, it could change the game. Right now, I'm telling you, if you stop what you're doing, if if everything you did doesn't work, what's the common denominator? You. Everything you did didn't work. What if I trust in the Lord and say, Lord, show me how I can move forward in this? For some reason, some people think that God isn't concerned about your finances and your blessings. Listen, God is interested in your finances. He's interested in blessing you. Can I, can I get an amen? Some of you don't buy it. Some of you think God is a spiritual being, so he's only concerned about spirit. He cares about every element you care about. That's life. Okay? So what am I saying? Well, let me ask this. How many have ever heard of this statement? Ready? Money is the root of all evil. You see the little horns? Isn't that funny? Money is the root of all evil. It's not what it says. Let's modernize this already just a little bit. Fake news. But I'm going to go a step further. It's biblical fake news. Right? Money is not the root of all evil. What is the root of all evil? The love of money. When people have made that more important than God, anything. Guess what? The love of music can be evil. The love of work, the love even of a spouse. Hello. The love of your vehicle, your home, your job, anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, anything that puts itself in, in, in your eyes, that's more important. Can I tell you something? And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this straight up, and you need to hear my heart. Some people's idol is their family even. You say, Pastor Tony, you're speaking against the family. You'll be sleeping with the fishes. No, 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 no. Hear what I'm saying. When certain, anything is bigger than God in your life, it's an idol. And anything that's an idol, it could be anything, is above God. That is the enemy of God. Doesn't mean that in and of itself it's bad, right? So to say the love of money is the root of all evil doesn't mean money's evil. It's the love of it, right? That makes that thing bad for me. So if you took out money and you put anything else in there, the love of that can be the root of evil for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So even though God acknowledges your struggle, it doesn't mean that he wants you to stay there. There's not an issue with you going through the struggle because you're going to go through those ups and downs, right? He's the God of the mountain, just like he's the God of the valley. We sang that earlier. If you didn't, go back and sing it again. He's the God of the mountain, just like he's the God of the valley. He doesn't change. God is not like on his throne. I wish I had a real cool throne. This would have been a great illustration. He's not sitting on his throne, you know, 
And then all of a sudden, you go through a difficult time. He's like, oh, you need that God. And then he gets up and changes. Like, oh, you need that God. Okay, let me zip up, change my clothes. I'm now the God of the valley. Oh, oh, you're good now. You're praying through and you kind of went through it. Okay, good. Now I can take off this God of the valley and now I can become the God of the mountain. You know, God doesn't have to change in a telephone booth. He's God by himself. And here's a newsflash. He don't need us to be God. One day when we stand before him, he's still going to be God. Whether you acknowledge him today or not, he's God. The question is not, is he God? The question is, is he Lord? So what did God tell the widow to do? Number one, go to your neighbors. Go visit your neighbors. Invite them to be part of the miracle. Hey, listen, I'm going to give you a chance to be part of my miracle. Do you have any jars I can borrow because some, something's going to happen? I need you to be a part of this. Can you help me? And that right there would have shut half the people down because we don't want to ask nobody for help. We're so independent, we don't want to ask nobody for help. I don't want anybody to think that I'm, what, human? Newsflash, they know you're human. Newsflash, they know you can't handle every situation by yourself. Do, do what the man of God said. Go invite, visit your neighbors and ask them to be a part. Secondly, ask for the jars. Not just a few. Listen, that's very important. You realize what, he, what the prophet said to her? Don't just get a few because the measure, listen, the measure of the jars that you get will be the measure of your miracle. You get three jars, you're going to get a three-jar miracle. You get 10 jars, you're going to get a 10-jar miracle. How many need a 10-jar miracle, not a three-jar miracle? Six people. Anybody else? 12. I think I'm up to 13. 25-jar miracle. Do I hear 25-jar miracle? 57 jar miracle. Anybody? 142 jar miracle. Wow, more hands are going up. I'm going to keep going. 247 jar miracle. That's a lot of neighbors. You're going to do a lot of knocking. You hear what I'm saying, right? The number of jars that she collected was the measure of her miracle. Some of us are going to have to move. Are you hearing me? We're going to have to move from where we are and start realizing that we need to go and, and be a part of what he's doing. He said, go. Go to your neighbors. Then he said, ask them for jars. Go, ask, pour. Pour the oil. Pour, pour, and it's not going to stop till you're done with the jars. So those of you that asked for a three-jar miracle are going to be very jealous of the ones that prayed a 247-jar miracle. Don't get mad at the 247-jar prayer. Come on, I'm preaching good right now. I don't care who you are. I'm taking my own offering. I'm, I'm going to give myself money. Because I get it. I get it. That I have prayed three-jar prayers. You ever prayed a three-jar prayer? Some of you are like, no. Yeah, everyone has. At the very least, at the table. Lord, thank you for this food. You're hungry as all get out. <laughs> Lord, thank you for this food. Amen. 
<laughs> I heard it said that the other day somebody prayed at the school. They, they had to pray over the school, the loud system. And they were like, they were like, now this person's coming to say a prayer. And the person said, God help us. Amen. <laughs> Come on, somebody. How many ever prayed a three-job prayer right there? That's a three-job prayer. You ever prayed that prayer? Come on. Anybody in the back? Nosebleeds? Anybody? Stop it. Stop it. Stop praying three-job prayers. Prophet of God, man of God said, not just a few. Not just, that's a message right there. Not just a few. Don't ask for a few. Ask for, get as many things. Why? And how do you do that? And why do you do that? Well, how do you do that as you go? You move. You get out of where you are and stop, stop sitting and wallowing where you are and start deciding for your life what you're going to do with your spurt man. What are you going to do with your life? You got to move. You got to stay active. Some of you still have not got involved in ministry. I'm going to tell you right now as your pastor, move. Stop making excuses. Move. Get on it. Because you can't get out of your struggle to the surplus unless you start doing something to get active. But pastor, please don't but pastor me. Pray to God and say, God, how could I be involved? Hello? Go. Ask. Pour. Do something. You know what happened when the last jar was poured into and there was no more? What happened? The oil stopped. Start living a 247 prayer. 247. Third thing, you must obey God. I want to keep moving here. I I could stay there for a long time. I might come back to that at some point. That's good right there. Is that helping anybody? Anybody? Y'all quiet today? What did the snow do to you? How did it abuse you on the way here? Okay, number three. We must obey God. God gave this prophet a word. The prophet spoke it. Verse 5, she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. Guess what? She shut out everybody because she needed to do what? Obey God. And his, he, he said, shut the door. And she shut the door. And many people have been in desperate situations for years. And they have sought God. But they've never, ever shut the door out on the world. They leave the door wide open. Just in case. Just in case there might be a plan B needed here. When you trust God, it's God's plan. There's no plan B with God. How many hear me right now? There's no plan B with God. God didn't be like, listen, do this, and if that doesn't work, come back, because I think I have another idea. If anyone tells you that, be very leery about anything, especially with God. If that doesn't work, come back and let's discuss it. You know what that? You're a guinea pig right now. Obey God. The number of the jars collected that day was going to be her miracle. How many jars have you collected? In your prayers, how many, how many jars have you put in this idea of God? How many of your doors you've left open? You know, through the week, we have two back doors here. We have a side door over there. I propped them open. Why? Because this right here is probably the warmest room in the building. 
There are more vents in this room than any other place in the building. My office is Antarctica. It is Iceland. In here, it's warm. And this is where the thermostat is for this side of the building, the whole middle part of the building. So you know what I have to do? I have to open the back doors and open the side door during the week so that we can share the heat. Because if not, Pastor Tony will have frostbite. (laughs) And they'll wheel me around on a Sunday morning to preach the gospel. What's my point? I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, I remember now. We share that heat. We share that heat. Why? Because this right here needs to go out. It needs to move. If not, the thermostat says it's warm enough and it shuts off. And then I'm literally in Alaska. My point is this, that there are times in our life that we too leave doors open just to make sure every, are you hearing me? We leave doors open just so that we can have access to certain things that we don't have access to. But plan B, I have heaters in my office, but sometimes it gets so cold. And so I need a plan B. I need to make sure that the air is flowing throughout the building. So what am I saying? I'm saying this. God doesn't have a plan B. His plan is executed. If it's obeyed, it's executed, it'll work. And God says to each of us today that you may struggle, but he wants to bring you to surplus. How many can use a surplus right now? How many can use a, a, and that's, I'm talking financially, but you know, in in a lot of things in life, you can use a surplus. So was it uncomfortable to ask the neighbors? Probably. Was it awkward to explain why she needed jars? I'm not sure she entirely knew. She knew that she needed oil. And was it challenging? Yes, I'm sure it was. But she did what God told her to do. Last thought, get ready for a miracle. Many people want a miracle, but they never get ready for it. You know what? I heard a story of someone that was, uh, they were, there was a church that was fully, uh, highly funded by the farmers around the church. And they all were praying because they went through a drought. They went through a drought. And they would gather together around. And this church, they had, you know, it was going, it was an extended period of time where they were not uh, getting any rain. And the farmers were really struggling because they were about to lose their crop if they didn't get any rain. And so they would come and they would meet and they would pray. They would come and they would meet and they would pray. They would come, they would meet and they would pray. And one lady one time showed up at the prayer meeting with an umbrella. And everybody said, what are you, you know we're in a drought right now. What are you doing with an umbrella? She says, I'm coming believing. Who's getting ready for the rain? So I'm asking you today, where's your jar and where's your umbrella? Are you getting ready for the surplus? Because you got you to gotta prep yourself in your heart. You got to prep yourself to get ready to receive from God. Amen. So let me say this last thing to you right here, verse 6 and 7. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Now watch this. After this, this is great. Are you ready? We read it earlier, and I'm going to just reiterate, and I'm going to bring it back full circle. 
So what we're going to do here is we're going to understand something. He said, take the flow of oil that you received. When the oil stopped, he said, take the oil, pay off all the debt. How many know it's really great when you pay off the debt? Credit card, mortgage, car loan. It's like, let's rejoice and go out to dinner. All right. You spend more money to celebrate that you just, okay, never mind. I've been there too myself. But anyway, right? Pay off all those debtors, all the people that was coming for you. And then whatever you have left, live off that. If you pray a three-jar prayer, you have just enough to pay off the debts. And then you'll be praying again. But if you pray prayers and say, God, I want to be your servant. I want to be obedient. Here's the difference. They prayed not only believing. They acted. They went. They moved. But they also made it very clear in the text. This household was a household of faith. But I also want to note something. She had her moments of doubts. And some of you struggle with Oh, I'm doubting, so I'm not really a a strong believer. Listen, if you doubt, you're human. You're going to have those moments. But don't live there. Get up and believe again. Don't live there. Get up and start to follow. Pastor Tony, how do you know that she had her struggling moment? Well, didn't it say when he asked her? Let's go back to chapter 4. He asked her, how can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house. She said this, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. I have nothing. I'm desperate. I have nothing. You know what? I think there's elements where we can be honest with God and say to God, God, I have nothing here except this. Take it. You know, she could have said, I have nothing except this little bit of oil. And he could have said, use that oil and pour it into the... No, 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 no. I'm sorry. No, I can't use it. That's all I got left. I'm sorry. I'm going to go to the next prophet. Next prophet, please. 1-800, send me a prophet. I don't know. But she admitted at that moment, I don't really have a lot. I think we've all been there. Here's what I want us to pray this morning. You with me? I want us to pray a very simple thought. I want us to pray, position me, God, for the surplus, for the blessing, as I'm obedient to you. See, what has to come first is that obedience, right? The oil didn't start or stop until she was obedient to get the jars. So let's collect some jars here right now, and let's move from struggle to surplus so what are we going to pray let's pray a prayer right now if you're online or you're here would you bow your heads with me for a moment don't worry about anything else don't think about anything else just bow your heads with me for a moment and here's my call to action and here's my thought to you what desperate situation are you facing today whatever that situation is say God I want a surplus to meet this need and then some I don't just want to meet this need. I want to go beyond that. I want to live off the excess. Just like when Jesus took the the five loaves and two fish, 
How many baskets were left? 12 baskets. How many disciples were there? 12 disciples. He gave them to take home. And today, I believe God wants to bless you in your finances, but also in other areas. Some of you may be thinking, you know, I'm okay in my finances. I'm not great, but I'm not horrible. But this area of my life life is a struggle. I want a surplus in my relationship with God. I want a surplus in my relationship with my spouse. I want a surplus in my in my workplace. I feel like, man, my, I just I can't seem to click with my coworkers or whatever that looks like. God wants to move you from struggle to surplus. Father, you know every person, you see every life. Father, help us to stop praying three-jar prayers and start praying 247-jar prayers. Lord, that we would believe you for great things, that we would believe you for the surplus, that you would provide direction as we were obedient to you. God, you met this woman's needs and you set her up for a great future. Lord, you put oil and in fact, the first oil business we ever saw. God, you put her in it. And I'm asking you provide for all those at the sound of my voice right now that are struggling and maybe just pray just enough prayers. Lord, just give me just enough to survive the day. Lord, help them to believe you for greater. From struggle type prayers to surplus prayers. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus, pour out a blessing that they can never contain, that they would be able to give generously to their neighbors, their friends, and their family because you provided for them. Lord, this past year has been an up and down for a lot of people financially, especially. Lord, provide for them. Let them move mountains with their prayers. Let them move the kingdom of God on this earth and bring the kingdom to others. We pray this in the name of Jesus because you are a good God. Amen and amen. Stand with me for a moment. Church, this is not a special day because it's Super Bowl Sunday and That's a cool thing, but you know why it's extra special? Because we get to gather together and pray and seek God together and worship. Amen? How many are grateful for that? Come on, somebody. I'm grateful. Here's what I invite you to do. I talked last week about something as I closed, and I said, our church, we need to get better at being more OCD. It's not the OCD that you're thinking about. And it's a play on words, I know. But we need to be different than we were in 2020. OCD, in this respect that I'm talking about, is outreach, community, and discipleship. If you don't feel connected, yes, it could be partly our fault, but it is not all our fault. There's opportunity for you to be a part of outreach, community, and discipleship. We're launching three classes, Colossians, and the uh, foundations class in here, we have youth on 6.30 every Wednesday night over here with Pastor Corey and Nisa. Every week, they're, they're pouring in the students. And then on Thursday night, Bricks and, Bricks and Swords with uh, Nisa here at 6.30 as well. Plenty of opportunities to learn and grow. 
what's your excuse? Right now, you're either fear-driven or faith-driven. Let's move forward. Come on. Let's move forward. Let's move out of the fear. Let's move out of the, those things, those moments, and start praying 247 prayers, not three jar prayers. Amen?